man once means his inner man, who he is now, believing, like we've talked about in our morning worship, that he's okay with God in and of himself, he wants to preserve that, then all he receives in that is the destruction of the very thing he wants to save. He who loves his life loses it. That's what loses means, to destroy his life. In other words, in this world of self-preservation and the desire for prolonging life, even here and now, doing all we can to make life better here, if it's without Christ, it's nothing but eternal death. He who loves his life loses it. Seems like it adds up to a beautiful picture when in reality it's just a picture of death. Trying to do all you can to to save yourself here. But Jesus says the very opposite. Jesus says he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to eternal life. He who hates his life in this world shall keep it to eternal life. Love and hate are direct opposites. They cannot commingle. You cannot love something while at the same time hate that very thing. It's impossible. You cannot hate something while at the same time you love that very thing. You either love it or you hate it. You cannot do both at the same time. You either hate one and love the other, but you cannot do both. And so if you love your life here, in this life, on this earth, here and now, it's in its deadness, in its fallenness, and try to preserve it, then you hate Christ. But if you hate your very soul, and that drives you to beg for mercy to God upon the very throne room of His righteousness, then Jesus said, you shall keep it. The word keep is an interesting word. It means protect or to guard. It's almost as if he's speaking in such a way that we are the ones keeping it. And yet the reality is because we love him through what we've talked about this morning, he's the one who keeps it to eternal life. So there is life eternal through despising the preservation of your life now. So the paradox is the same. If you desire to be with God... Speaking to these Gentiles, these Greeks who have come to worship, you want to be with God, you cannot come with the things of the world. You have to recognize who you are before Him and die to self. That's the idea. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7, the gate to glory is a narrow gate. Right? The way is narrow. And few there are that find it. You cannot come with the things of this world. You cannot save any part of your old self if you are to gain eternal life. All of it has to be abandoned. All of it has to be relinquished. You have to hate that. Here's how Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't mean those who have a little bit of spirit and they're just poor of it by way of quantity or amount. No, blessed are those who are poor in the sense that they they don't find any goodness in themselves. 
They mourn over their sin, as the Beatitudes say. It's like we said in Luke chapter 18 this morning, the publican who, who just goes before God and says, have mercy, mercy upon me, a sinner. So that's the attitude of those who are true worshipers of Christ. They come through Christ because he must die or we have no life. You have to come through Christ. You cannot just simply say, I believe God. Or I believe in God. There's plenty of people that say that in our world. I believe in God and they think they're okay with God. Listen, God doesn't accept that. There's only a way that you must come to God and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ must die. Those, That death, that vicarious death, that substitutionary death must be applied to you or there's no coming to God. But we also must come in humility. We must die to self. And then there's this third. The third truth that Christ is relaying to us is this. True worshipers are like Him. True worshipers are like Him. They come through Christ, they come in humility, and they are like Christ. Look at verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. That's not a suggestion, that's a command, that's an imperative in the original language. It's a command. It's not It's not a suggestion as if, yeah, and also you should probably follow after me. No, that's a command. For some reason in our modern day, there seems to be this notion in evangelicalism that one can be saved, that you can have all the benefits of Christianity, all the benefits that come with what the Bible describes for the Christian. But don't worry about obedience to what God says. Don't worry about following after Christ. After all, we live in an age that is just full of grace. And by that they mean grace being God just overlooks how I live. In other words, since God is a gracious God, you can enjoy the fullness of God's blessings that come with saving acceptance just by saying that you believe even without accepting Him as Lord of your life. That's not biblical. That's not how the Bible portrays Christianity. That's not how the Bible portrays followers of Christ. And Jesus Christ makes that patently clear with these words. Those who claim to serve Christ, if anyone serves me, they must be like me. They have to follow me. So many people run around today in the Christian world claiming to know Christ, saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. We hear it all the time. I mean, with the Olympics just went by. We heard it from people on the Olympics on the news. They claim things about Christ. I don't know the genuineness of their claims, but I know this. If they're not like Christ, they're not, they may not be Christians. Claiming to serve Christ and yet not following Him in their lives is not Christianity. There's no obedience. Christ gives clear instructions that we must obey. The scriptures are clear when it comes to marriage, and yet the divorce rate among professing 
believers is as high as those who are unbelievers in our world today. Although we know that God has commanded us to be not forsaking the assembling of the body together, as Hebrews 10 says, and we are reminded here often of in our very assembly, we are to selflessly serve and fellowship with others regularly, not forsake that for frivolous things. Many times in evangelicalism today, in churches around the world, there's a disregard for people to come and to be around the fellowship and to simply just come when it's convenient. You don't find this kind of thing in places like China where it's difficult to even worship at all. God's word clearly commands that we be in his word, that we hide his word in our heart, that we might not sin against him, as Psalm 119 says. And yet, how much time do we, I mean, when we think about our own Christian life, when we, when we sit there and we really evaluate it and we're honest about it, how much time do we spend in the word so that we go away nourished, but rather oftentimes we're so malnourished because we just don't spend the time we ought. Why are these things like that? Why are they like that? If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Why are they like that? Because many have not truly taken to heart the principle of dying to self. That death is supreme. For them, death is not supreme. We believe, we've convinced ourselves in some subtle way in evangelicalism that if we hold to this life, the better it's going to be. When in fact, the opposite is true. Here's how Paul said it. For I have been, what? Crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the philosophy of the world around me and all that's feeding me from all the avenues that get fed into my head. Is that what it says? No. No, he says the life I now live, I live by faith. Trust. Trust in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. You see, death is even supreme in my mind when I think about living for Christ. What is Paul saying? Paul is simply saying that he now lives a life of self-denial. A life whereby his life is denying self always seeking to honor Christ, that it might just be like the one whom he says he serves. And that brings glory to Christ. If anyone serves me, he follows me. So think about your own life. Is that true of you? Is that true? Dying to self, never pleasant. Never a pleasant experience. All of us would certainly say that if our question before our time of teaching was, give us an example in which you died to self. I wonder if it'd be crickets like it was tonight when the question was asked. 
right? We, but dying to self must happen, and yet we'll truly never live in the spiritual sense until we die to self. Those who claim to serve Christ must be like Christ. James said, faith without works is dead. We heard that this morning. Faith without works is dead. Jesus said, faith without works remains alone. Really, remains alone. So too, true worshipers without service. Someone who's a worshiper yet without service, that's dead. That's dead. That's ritualistic. That's liturgical worship. It remains alone. One drives the other. So the natural outcome of the death of a seed is much life. The seed has to die in order to bear fruit. The natural outcome of the dying of the seed is the production of much fruit. The natural outcome of the death of Christ is much life to all who believe. The natural outcome of those who come to Christ in humility, who come with that mourning of spirit, with that dying to self, who hates his own life, doesn't want to preserve it, turns their back on this life, the natural outcome of that is that Christ will in no wise cast you out, right? You notice that? He who hates his life in this world shall keep it. Christ isn't going to cast you out. The natural outcome of those who are truly serving Christ will be an attitude and life of self-denial. A life of truly dying to self. I have a book on my shelves in my office. It's about the life of George Mueller. I'm sure some of you have read about George Mueller. He started a whole host of orphanages in England in his day. And he was bent on always trusting Christ to provide what was needed for the orphanage. Never going outside in any kind of means to, to do that. Even when the, the cupboards were, were empty of food, he just prayed and, and God would supply. Sometimes groceries would just show up on the steps of the orphanage. One day someone asked him how it was that he was so successful. He said this, quote, There was a day when I died. I died to George Mueller. I died to his opinions, his preferences, his tastes, his will. I died to the approval or blame of my family and friends. And ever since then, I've studied to show myself approved unto the only one that matters, God. Unquote. I think that's a great example of what it means to die to self and follow after Christ. I don't think George Mueller in any kind of way is saying in that statement that I did this of myself. He's just saying, listen, I realize what the scriptures say, that I had to die to self and not rely on myself. I just trusted Christ and wanted to live to his approval. I wanted to serve him and follow him. Our life may be different. Our life may not mean that we certainly go through what George Mueller went through, but it does mean that each one of us who comes to worship Christ, who desires to see Christ as these Gentiles did, we must be willing to follow him in whatever direction he asks us to go. Whatever that means.
Whatever He commands us to give up, we must give up. I, I, I spend time each week with different people and oftentimes I share with them what I'm studying, what I'm going to be talking about. And most often I say that I, I, I just am having a hard time even wanting to say what has to be said. Not because I think it's hard for you to hear, but because I know my own heart and the hardness of my own heart and how hard it is for me to hear. That whatever God commands us to give up, we must give up. Unlike you. And yet Jesus says in order to follow him, we must have self-denial in service. And we must be holy in it. So true worshipers come through Christ alone. True worshipers come in humility alone. True worshipers follow him alone. And then lastly, the benefits are for them alone. Notice verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is the great promise that comes through the supremacy of death. Life comes through Christ and assurance in the future is in him alone. Here's how Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. If I die with him, we also will live with him. There is security in no one else. It's Christ alone. But not only is there security in Jesus Christ, as Christ is saying here, but notice this, the Father will honor us. Does that shock you? If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Proverbs 27, 18, He who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who cares for his master will be honored. Jesus said, he who serves me will be honored. The word honored is valued. Valued. That's the idea. He who serves me, the Father will value him. Those who follow after me, those who have cared for me, those who have ministered through and to me, it is those who will be honored and valued. pretty remarkable statement in light of the fact that these were coming to the feast to worship and all they wanted to do was see Jesus. They can't even worship rightly without knowing Jesus. Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and following, here's what it says, Everyone therefore who shall confess me before men I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother 
and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life shall lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. very same thing Jesus is saying here in John chapter 10 or John 12. Nothing can have a higher place if we're worshipers of Jesus Christ. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. You must come through Christ. His death brings life. You must come with humility Not trying to hold your life. You must come with nothing at all. You must come to be like Christ, serving Him. So what is your life a picture of? That's the idea. What is your life a picture of? Is it one of self-love or is it one of self-denial? For you, is life supreme? Is the here and now, the things of this earth, what you want here, is that the lure? Is that the supreme thing to you or is death supreme? If you claim Christ, are you like Christ or are you like the world? True worshipers of Christ alone show that worship through selfless service like Martha, through selfless fellowship, like Lazarus, through selfless sacrifice, like Mary, through selfless witnessing, all produced through Christ-like self-denial. Death is actually supreme. Right after this, Jesus foretells of his death. A few days down the road, he'll actually die. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for our time tonight. We thank you that we could see a picture of our glorious Savior in the words that he spoke to these who came to see him. That he would, in fact, be glorified. That those even coming to him was glorifying to you. That in just a few short days, that glorification would take place in time whereby he would hang on a cross, die for sin, that the Son of Man would in fact be lifted up. Lord, we're thankful that on that very day you placed our sin upon him. Him who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become his righteousness. Even though we didn't deserve it, even though we still don't deserve it. So, Lord, help us to die to self. Help us to continually be those who come in humility to you and want to serve you and follow you. No matter what anybody says, no matter if the very enemies of our life are in our very families, let that conviction ride us and be so strong upon us that we would never leave it.
Give us the power through your spirit to stand strong even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of tough times, so that your name would be honored. So that when others look at us, they would see Christ and we could proclaim Christ. That's our hope. It's our joy. It's our privilege. Lord, give us the the power to do that so that you are glorified in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.